frank. Last week, I went to a developer conference unlike any other developer conference I've ever been to, and it was crazy. It was crazy. It was bananas. It was bananas. Bananas. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. What was it? Just break it to me. Well, how awesome was it, and where was it? I was in San Francisco, um, (laughs) which was awesome. (laughs) Okay. Uh, San Francisco, I guess I'll translate that as. And? And? Yes, it was the Game Developers Conference, GDC. Okay. Yeah, GDC. I love GDC. I actually went to one myself years ago, though. It's been a long time. So it's it's bananas and crazy now? Well, let me tell a little story here, just the setup for you, because I flew down to San Francisco, and uh, while I went to UAT, which is a small tech school, because I went for game development, remember, early on in life, and all my friends have gone to GDC for many years, and I didn't really know, I didn't know too much about it. They always worked kind of the the like volunteers you know and I was never super interested in going just because I switched industries so I never thought about it but here's a really crazy thing when I go to build or I'll go to another conference that that's at the Moscone it's usually at the Moscone West which is a single building GDC is at the Moscone West North and South and it has over like 30 to 40 thousand people it is bonkers and there's all these expo halls and people are showing off their games and there's all sorts of crazy new game stuff and there's vendors. It was kind of like a mix between developer conference, E3 and a PAX, like all in one. It was really, it was really cool. I was really impressed. Yeah. uh, I had the exact same reaction because I had never been in that part of Moscone before. It's not like I go to the San Francisco that often, but I knew we stay in Moscone West. We stay in our little hallway there, but this thing is huge. And there's just people all around just that whole area from like, um, that little park nearby. (laughs) That thing is always mobbed with people eating out and everything. And then what is there? Is there like a common area where um, if you're not a ve- developer, you can get like an expo pass and just go see all the vendors? Is that that giant hallway? There is definitely that was in Moscone South. There was definitely expo pass things. Now, I was there not to attend necessarily. I was working <laughs> a booth. We had a big our first oh. time, I think, Azure <laughs> booth. We had uh, Mixer, Azure, and Visual Studio, and I was in the live stream. So if you caught me on Mixer or Channel 9 last week, I was live streaming, interviewing some game devs and also a bunch of Microsoft um, program managers and CDAs about using Microsoft products for games, which is something that I don't often Mm. get to talk about. But they picked me because I love to talk, which you know, and (laughs) I used to make games. So that, you know, I still understand the world of, of game development, so... So you were like a celebrity there. You were uh, Johnny Carson interviewing people. How many interviews did you do? I did 13 or 14 interviews. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It was crazy. Great champ, man. Awesome. Uh, So uh, you were a booth dude. How how was that experience? Because I was pretty overwhelmed in the expo. There's so much going on. I think they even had, not only did they have like technical discussions, but they had gaming competitions going on and people in cosplay and expo and at the same time, all this weird developer-y stuff. So it's such a weird circus mix. How did you find it from the booth perspective? Yeah, I got lucky because I didn't have to work the actual booth 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 like the oh yeah the, the, okay we had pods so we had a visual studio pod showing out how to use vs mac and vs 2017 with unity and different game dev mm-hmm. stuff and here's azure booth and team services and for me it was still as busy as working a booth because i had to 
we had 15 minute gap. So I had a, like, who am I going to interview? What are we talking about? Who are you? Oh, like, geez. let's, okay, let's <laughs> sit down. Let's record. Let's go to the next thing. Now I did take some breaks though. I scheduled some breaks in between and yeah. got to walk the booths. And it was really cool because if people have never been to GDC and maybe you've been to another like very large, I'm think I'm talking like the Google IOs or the, the, mm. the build or whatever or in ignite. Yeah. There was huge Amazon booths. Our booth was huge. The, the, the cool thing is that it's not just these big companies like Google and Amazon and, and Microsoft, but you have Sony there, there you have, you know, <laughs> the Xbox yeah. gaming division has a booth. So it was cool to see, Oh, oh. Facebook gaming. And, and, um, there's so much VR and AR. There's VR everywhere. <laughs> Oculus everywhere. People just playing. Ocul- okay. It's like you don't really. It's it, it's crazy. It's kind of like I'm walking around probably the streets of Tokyo where this is just common every day. People doing <laughs> awesome things. But uh, it yeah. was cool to see that. And then there's all the, of course the game winners. So in the um, like the I, I think it's the IGF, the International Game Festival. There's all the winners of these okay, indie yeah. games and stuff like that. And I got to talk to a lot of indie game devs using like Mono Game for instance. So it was really cool to talk to uh such a different crowd a very young crowd too i would say that the mm-hmm. game devs especially the indie game devs, really young you know definitely younger than me and in, in, in our age very um interesting to hey. see what they're using <laughs> but i mean they were into visual studio they're like how do we get more c-sharp more visual studio at least in our booth so okay, that was cool yeah. <laughs> but uh, i will say uh, I, one thing one mm-hmm. thing yes our, yes, yes. our booth did this thing where if you got stamps or whatever you could get a free xbox controller oh, yeah and people line what? up for like hours to for an Xbox controller. It was bananas. I could never do the lines. Are you a line waiter? I just I, I just can't stand in line for that long. Like no matter what it was. I think uh, I went to GDC and it was when Oculus VR was first coming out with a Rift. And so not many people had gotten to use it. And the line was two hours long. And I was like, well, here's my one chance. But nope, not going to stand in a line for two hours. So w- would you have would you have waited for the controller? I'm not a line person. Now, I know. You know I'm not a line person. I'm Now, here's the thing is, James, like, 18-year-old, is James 18-year-old a line waiter? Possibly. Is James 31-year-old? No. <laughs> I don't got time for that. No. No nope, lines. Not doing that. Okay. Yeah, no lines. Yep, yep. Okay. Um, and that was the theme. I, I feel like usually with these conferences, there's like something being kind of pushed. So what was being pushed this year? Is it all VR, AR, or is it just kind of the classic games like Doom version 22 or whatever we're up to? Well, to be honest with you, most of the the stuff that I was in that I saw was really services for game developers. Because again, it, it is an actual ah, game. Online. It's a game developer conference, right? So it's not just yeah. PAX. So mm-hmm. there was a lot of services for backends for games, for analytics for games, and all these different services. And of course, Unity was there. So even talking the new yeah. versions of Unity and some of the new stuff they were releasing. So I will say every place was a little bit different. You really saw the Google, Amazon, and Microsoft pushing backend services in cloud, where you have Facebook pushing VR and, and uh, Oculus nonstop. So Everyone has yeah. their own uh, priorities, I would say. Yeah. Uh, so you got the online bias, but that makes sense too. It, it feels like every game these days has some kind of online experience. So of course, we're all moving away. We've kind of standardized on the engine. So the next level is like come up with great services to connect these games, I guess. Um, 
All right. So games. So you started out in games. You didn't think you would ever attend a GDC. So this is your first GDC. Would you say it met your expectations? You're happy? Yeah, I think it definitely met my expectations. I would be excited to go back and actually attend some sessions. I know that they have some online. But I didn't really get to take it in like a normal developer conference, like when I go to Google I.O., for instance. But for people that don't know already what this podcast is turning into, like we are actually going to talk about (laughs) game development stuff. So I needed to get some GDC off my chest because I think it's very atypical. And I would say even if you are into just mobile specific um, types of games, like if you're doing 2D games or even in the graphic space, you should go to this conference. Like it's. I would. Mm-hmm. I think it's a great conference. I think it's probably expensive to stay in San Francisco, but I think there's a lot of valuable content in addition to being able to talk to, you know, Rodrigo was there, Michaela was there, Miguel was there hanging oh, out nice. at the booth. You get to really hang out with some rock stars in the industry that are also into this world. So, um, but yeah, I mm-hmm. I would say, you know, I, I wasn't always a, you know, a lot of people don't think of me as a game developer now, but, you know, I we did write our <laughs> own, engine i worked on xbox 360 games i went to uat and i wrote a lot of c plus plus and i figured i'd talk a little bit about our experiences before we kind of go into the modern state of of game apis and and what it is to be like a .NET c sharp developer nowadays and some of the cool Mm -hmm. things that were announced so for me i didn't really get to experience all these cool new frameworks and engines that all the 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 cool kids (laughs) are playing around with we had to build our own this was pre-xna so pre-xna well no one was like shipping real games with xna no i take that back weren't like a lot of the arcade games were built in xna weren't they yeah was that a production level thing oh xna was totally production level and they definitely focused on the xbox live arcade which is what our game was targeting of course it would have been okay it would have been perfect for xna now the thing with xna is that it was a big .NET framework uh, and type of C-sharp programming language that people mm-hmm. could build games in, people loved it. It did really well, and tons of great games were built with it. But it, I don't think you were yeah. pushing out AAA um, at the time. No. <laughs> no. Um, but you could also argue that's because they stopped development on it. But they were what targeting like easy game development. I feel like we've mentioned this before because it's what Monogame has basically adopted as their API. And it adopted it because it's a really nice little API. I remember I I was writing some sprite-based games with it, so like 2D games, and it was totally easy and kind of trivial. Like, immediately the engine, it's not even an engine, it's so small, (laughs) but a little engine, it got out of your way, and it was super easy to just get right to the game, get that little Mario character jumping. Yeah, I mean, I really think that the idea between XNA was was to essentially be able to run anywhere because you could run it on a Windows phone at the time, normal Windows Mm -hmm. and Xbox 360. And they even had this like game studio and this whole thing around it. And this was quite a a while back. I mean, um, and of course you you could use (laughs) C Sharp or VB.net. Of course, I wouldn't use VB.net. And they had, you know, they ran big game contests around it as well. So it was called Dream Build Play, which they actually brought back recently. And this thing was originally ready for this around the .NET Compact Framework mm-hmm. 2.0, everyone's favorite. Oh, I always forget about that version of .NET. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's everyone's favorite because that's the one that lacks generics, right? <laughs> oh, no, that's the micro framework. I get them so confused. I was running, I think, the Compact Framework on a PC 104. There are these really small but low-powered 
um, embedded systems you could buy. They were x86, but they were tiny and slow, and so you could only use tiny versions of the framework, and it was terrible. <laughs> but uh, so, you, did you work on that at all? No. You, did you work? So on our that? game, we we ended up doing 100% our own engine. Um, Okay. And C++ then? Sorry, C Sharp, C++. All C++, all day, every day. Nice. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Great. We wrote our own uh, level designers. We wrote our own particle tools. Oh, we boy. wrote everything. And that that's mm-hmm. where I found C Sharp because I ended up writing desktop tools for games. A lot of DirectX. A lot of DirectX all day. Okay. Yeah. We actually have a similar history then because um, I never really actually wanted to be a programmer, but I did want to modify games and I wanted to make level editors. Mm. So when I was 15 or 16 years old, I started to teach myself Visual Basic and I had some help with online friends and I started to build level editors for games. So that's funny. That's when I uh, first got into GUI programming and all that stuff too, because of course, Every programmer our age started out just wanting to edit games and play with games. Yeah. That's what I, you know, I started with, uh, well, Turbo Pascal, obviously, everyone's favorite. We've, <laughs> we've mentioned it many a, a times. And, yes. and I would say that, you know, I progressed into writing a lot of C++ text-based adventures, which really got me in. And for me, I think the problem was is I, I think had things like Unity or other game engines or even XNA itself mm-hmm. been available, I may have looked at the whole industry very differently. I thought I was going to have to write C++ every day for the rest of my life. Yes. And once I found C Sharp, I was like, I don't want to do that. No. Um, I think very quickly, once you're writing a game, you realize, um, okay, these parts of the game really need to be high performance. Like, I need to draw this picture really fast. But then there's the other 99.99% of the game where you're just writing... Uh, AI. You're attempting to write an AI, at least. You're trying to write good controllers, uh, even just like stupid menu systems. Like, who wants to write that in C++? Yeah. So I think even most game engines out there, they've always had a, a higher level language to kind of bind to them. So that's cool that you kind of followed the natural path <laughs> that everyone seems to. Yeah, and I think that, you know, what's interesting about the evolution here, so if you're a .NET developer, there actually are a lot of choices just without those big game engines, because mm-hmm. you're right, you mentioned it earlier, XNA involved in Tomano game, which is built on Mono, go figure, and runs everywhere. And yes, there are <laughs> plenty of games for major consoles still built against this, including some really big AAA games that are you know, some of the most popular games on the market. So oh, you can think of... I'll be honest. Go ahead. It's just hard for me to wrap my head around because, <laughs> you know, when you, like, watch an API first grow up, you know, it wasn't around <laughs> always, and it it was released, and now you're telling me, like, the second version of it, AAA games are being released with it. It's just kind of a fun little memory flashback. Oh, yeah. There. Great. Oh, awesome. yeah, totally. I mean, <laughs> if I just look at some of the lists, and they have, like, a little bit of a list, but, you know, I just finished... Celeste, which is a great platformer game on the Nintendo mm-hmm. Switch, but it's also on the Xbox One, it's on the PC, it's on PS4, it's on all these different consoles. Yes, yes, you know, technically mono in some form, and <laughs> .NET is running on, on the Switch, you know, in a way, how uh, they go through a transpiler, but <laughs> it's there. Um, okay. But uh, other mm-hmm. games, you know, uh, Owlboy, which just came out, which is really popular, Fez, you know, that's technically... Um, oh, I didn't realize Fez. Fez is the crazy, it looks like a 2D game, but then you can rotate around and build a tower. I never actually played it, but there was like a documentary on Netflix or something mm-hmm. with the uh, one of the developers or the whole team. Yeah, that one is... Did you that, see that? Yeah, that, that one is built with, I think, FNA, which is a... 
a, a something a re-implementation of XNA, which is not mono game. I don't quite understand. There's oh, a few. Crazy. There's a few yeah. other implementations out there. There's a whole bunch of great games sure. built on top of it. So, well, you know what is also available? Not only just mono game, because mono game really does. I'll make sure I put a, a link in the show notes below to the website. But it really does go to any um, actual platform some are supported natively where mono can run and then there are like services to transpile into like switch or whatever you know and uh, honestly like um the thing that always worries me about games these days is when you're doing like fun graphics you're writing pixel shaders all the time and pixel pixel shaders by necessity are usually um bound to one API or one API level, sometimes even hardware, how you want to take advantage of them. So one of the neat tricks Monogame pulls off is transpiling those, but you're always going through a funny layer and all that. And there's so many different ways that you can do it that you can imagine there's so many APIs. So are you leading us to Urho? I mean, we got to mention that at some point, right? Yeah, I think that's really was kind of the next not maybe not a next evolution, but there was a few things that the, the the mono and the Xamarin team did, which was they did Coco Sharp, which is a, a built mm-hmm. on top of Mono game, which is Coco's two DX, a C Sharp version of it to do two D, and then Erho Sharp, yeah, which I think you've had more experience with, which is this. It's a hybrid of everything, I would say, all in one. I yeah. guess <laughs> I don't think it's built on Mono game though. It's just its own engine. It, it is yeah it's totally separate it's this um it's a the kitchen sink of c code it's like four different libraries all kind of merged together so it's a 2d engine it's a 3d engine it has physics it has a component model it has its own editor it has its own file formats its own converters it's a much bigger ecosystem it's a much more hold your hand will um help you develop this game mono game has a lot of um you know this it all comes down to content eventually like how are you managing all your assets like your spaceship 3d object and all that and how do you change its color and all that stuff and so i think a lot of these things break down to how much do they hold your hand during the art creation process honestly and Uro helps a lot with that too because they have whole creation tools uh where mono game you're kind of they're, they're back to where you are. You're writing your own tool. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think what's nice about the Urho Sharp too is if you're interested in VR, or augmented reality, or mixed reality, it also has that built in, which is super nice. So, yeah, I'm into that. Oh, yeah. Anytime you don't have to program something for sure. And that's actually where I'm thinking about getting into Urho because we always talk about AR, but I haven't actually released any apps <laughs> with it. And as much as I love AR Kit and Scene Kit on iOS, I think it'd be silly not to use something like Urho uh, just for AR experiences, just so I can be on every platform yeah. because it's AR. And I mean, there's no reason it should be confined to one platform. It's just a video game. <laughs> I agree. And just like something that you shouldn't build yourself, Frank, you shouldn't be building your own graphs, charts, data platform, anything like that, because our good friends over at SyncFusion have you covered. Yes, yeah, SyncFusion, they have over 800 controls and components for every single thing that you need, no matter what platform you're targeting. They have things for ASP.NET, Angular, React, JavaScript, ASP.NET Core, Xamarin, UWP, and of course, Windows Desktop. And I'm talking about things such as those beautiful charts and graphs and widgets and everything that you could possibly want. But at the same time, they have like full Kanban boards you can just drag and drop into your project. They have, you know, charting with graphical geolocation overlays. And then when it comes to mobile, they have all the other things you don't want to build, like advanced, super awesome scroll views, um, pop-ups, data forms, you know, advancements to the 
built-in controls like you know advanced progress bars and tab views and all the crazy customization that you thought you were gonna have to do yourself, well, you don't have to. And in fact, if you're working with other file formats like PDF or Excel or Word documents, they have you covered too. Drag and drop in their simple, easy to use PDF viewer to any of those platforms and boom, you have PDF support and guess what? They have ink and annotations. Yeah, just enable ink annotations and you're done. You don't have to build any of that yourself. It's absolutely mind blowing. And the greatest part here is that they have a free community edition where you can get started right now today. All you have to do is go to syncfusion.com slash merge conflict. You can learn about all of the great products that Syncfusion has to offer and support the show by giving it a full free trial. And of course, if you're, you know, a smaller developer making under a million dollars a year, you use a free community edition, which is awesome. If you outgrow that and you're making millions of billions of dollars, there's a flat rate fee. So go over to syncfusion.com slash merge conflict to learn more. And thanks Syncfusion for supporting the show. Thank you, Syncfusion. Woo. All right, Frank. Now I want to... Uh, we have some cool stuff lined up in a little bit, but I really wanted to, you know, talk about those core APIs. I kept kind of talking to some developers at the conference of, oh, well, if you're building an app, you could just use, you know, the stuff that's built in. So I wanted to get your experience from mm-hmm. someone that's used, you know, built in type of stuff to iOS and yeah. also, you know, before we go on to bigger frameworks and engines. Mm-hmm. Um. I'm I'm just gonna sound like such a shill, dude. This is gonna be so embarrassing. But um, gosh, I really do love that iOS API <laughs> scene kit. <laughs> I think um, I'm an old OpenGL programmer. I'm actually very comfortable in it. I have no problem writing an app from scratch in OpenGL. But just having the little productivity boost of something that lays out a scene graph, and you can kind of guarantee you won't get that dreaded black screen for the first three builds. Have you? Have you ever written an engine from scratch and you get those black screens? Yes, I wrote an entire. We helped. I helped write an entire engine for the Xbox 360, Frank. I just said this. <laughs> you know the black screen, yes. Yes, we know. <laughs> it's really embarrassing. Like no matter how much experience you have, I've written a million engines at this point, but the first ten builds are always a black screen. You're like, where's the stupid triangle? So you don't get that with SceneKit, and I find their API uh, very succinct. The matrices, it works the way I expect it to. It's kind of got a very OpenGL feel to it, um, and they have model uh, file format converters built in. So the native experience is super nice. It's super stable, um, very slow in the simulator, unfortunately, but the stability is just so nice and the speed on device is so nice. But Erho's Erho's good, but that native experience feels good. (laughs) Yeah, I think think it's kind of interesting to, you know, I did say Apple has some of the most beautiful APIs. They're my favorite (laughs) APIs to look at. Uh, so there now one thing that's interesting is kind of as we go forward it seems like almost every single game though out there today whenever you're walking around something like gdc is just unity everywhere just unity for days just like unity everywhere have you worked with unity at all yes uh so when i have actually done my vr stuff not ar Mm. uh unity is where i'm at because Oh my gosh, it's like, um, it must be the feeling kids have when they're playing Minecraft, because it really does feel like just a big sandbox, especially with the VR goggles. So like, pop the VR goggles off, drag a 3D model of an X-Wing into the scene, (laughs) add a tiny bit of physics to that model, put the VR goggles back on, and all of a sudden I'm in like a little Star Wars scene. So I haven't actually written a game game (laughs) in Unity, but I keep creating these stupid little sandbox environments for me to play in and I just think it's a wonderful uh, development experience I don't know how it feels to be a pro but like you said it feels like everyone else is using it so it must 
feel good as a professional too. I think it's interesting because Unity comes from the ability to use C-sharp for your scripting and your main logic in your game. And it has this big Unity editor with assets and game scenes and lighting, and it handles everything for you. And I don't understand that world because it's so complex and so (laughs) crazy. I do understand the Mm -hmm. scripting side of things and opening a Visual Studio or Visual Studio for Mac and debugging my game and going through it, which is kind of a nice thing. And I will say what's really nice is coming in, you know, this year, 2018, is that they announced that coming out of beta, out of experimentation, is their official mm. .NET 4.5 big mono upgrade. That's right. Mm-hmm. With support for .NET standard libraries. Boom. And that's such a big deal because it's amazing. And I'm always, I always forget this, but uh, when you release a NuGet, a little library, all of a sudden all these Unity people start using it. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh yeah, I keep forgetting about Unity. And they have so many use cases. This is actually happening in the AI world. I don't know what they're doing, but they keep pulling in uh, like TensorFlow Sharp. So like those libraries are just coming in. Yeah. So that's like a that's awesome because um, th- were they supporting like PCL .NET Standard One before? Were they up to that level? No, you had to create your own special Unity oh. package or something. Oof. I don't know what the final okay. workflow. This is a big, yeah. Yeah. I think this is going <laughs> to yeah. be at least at least for library creators, it'll be something easier for them to take in. And they also open sourced yeah. a bunch of reference code recently and did a whole bunch of really cool. Mm-hmm. Things. I'm pretty excited to see where it goes and and how it evolves. Because to me, as a C-sharp developer, that's where I want to be. Honestly, I think it's one of the most exciting parts of the .NET landscape. I mean, I would rank it as game developers, mobile developers, desktop developers, web developers. And I just realized I alienated the majority of our audience (laughs) right there. So my apologies to you. But in coolness, all right, coolness. Everyone wants to be a game developer. That's super cool. And so I love that part of .NET that we just have that whole part of the community just really just doing games. Yeah. Well, something really cool happened at GDC, Frank, something that has not been done yet on Merge Conflict before. But Uh-oh. I know I had a chance. <laughs> I, I fear change. I had a chance. What's happening for our very first interview, and uh, which was pretty cool. Oh, awesome. Okay. So uh, what I was able to do is I was able to kind of say, yeah, like, hey, I'm at GDC. If you're using and making cool games with C Sharp and Visual Studio, I wanted to hear from you. I wanted to hear your experience. And I actually got quite a delightful interview with Sean Peoples, who um, uh, he's at a small indie game studio called Durham Games. And they're building a really cool iOS and Android game, which is kind of right up our alley. It's called Foodie Trucks. And they've been working on it for six or seven years, which is great. Uh, Oh, my God. uh Foodie Trucks? What's it about? I'm I'm trying to guess, but I I, I have a good guess. Uh, What's it about? It is is about, um, it is about building a computer from scratch. No, it is about <laughs> foodie truck. Is that come? Oh, come no, it is. It is about building your food truck empire, and it's actually this kind of very, kind of like, really MMO ish type of thing. You described it to me in, in the interview. I don't want to spoil too much about it, but mm. uh, it's kind of this dynamic world, and they're using all sorts of services like push notifications and backend syncing. And what was cool is that it he actually talks about the evolution of what does it actually mean to be a mobile developer building games today, um, where they started building their go, their own game engine first, then moved into Unity and all the trials and tribulations. So I just figured we would just hop into it. How does that sound, Frank? Oh, it sounds exciting. I, I love I love hearing redesigns of engines. So can't wait. Hey everyone, it's James here. I'm live at the Game Developers Conference. And one of our very first interviews, I'm super excited, 
to have Sean Peoples on, who's the co-founder of Durham Games. He's working on a game with Unity using tons of Visual Studio. I hope tons of C Sharp, which would be great. And it's called Foodie Trucks. Sean, thanks for joining us. Thanks. Good to be here. Yeah. This is your first GDC. What's your GDC oh, experience? Uh, no, this is uh, my 10th GDC. Okay. Yeah, I've been doing this a while in different iterations of being a developer from the junior green guy out of school to the crotchety yet cheerful old developer that I am now. <laughs> so what's a little bit about your background before we get into the game? Like what's your what's your day-to-day? -day? Is it foodie trucks? Is it sure, what's the whole so, shebang? Um, my day-to-day -day is spans a couple of things. I work for a large social games company during the day. Oh cool. And then when that concludes I work for Durham Games in the evening and that is Part of the reason our, our first game has been in development for as many years as it has. I think that's how you do game development. I mean, when the first game I made uh, for the Xbox 360, we planned it for a year, that crept into two years, then you creep into two and a half years and you go into certification and you kind of keep going yeah. over and over again. Yeah, you know, it's the, the death march of love. <laughs> yeah, but as long as you love it, that's all that matters. And the game is called Foodie Truck. So right. what what is this game? You have really cool, no one can see it because here we have really cool pins that I'm really jealous of and really cool stickers. So what is this game? So Foodie Trucks, uh, just a little like a quick backgrounder. Uh, I was attending GDC as a graphics programmer way back in the day. And uh, that's when mobile really started to take off. Yeah. Um, and I saw a food truck out front of the conference center. Uh, and traditionally, I would have attended a lot of complex math talks or... You know, here's the latest uh, DirectX stuff. So let's sit through those and then convene over lunch with the other graphics folks. So <sighs> one day I did that and they said, well, did you sit through this really complex talk? I said, no, I went through a casual games thing and they got ridiculed <laughs> for doing so because, well, you know, you're not uh, doing the hardcore stuff. Uh, and they said, uh, you know, you can't really do casual games. It takes a really important uh, theme. You gotta have something that hooks. Oh yeah, you need that instant gratification, yeah, right? It's sort of uh, thing people can map their hopes and dreams onto and feel good about themselves. And so at the lunch table, they said, well, right now you got to come up with something. And I remember the food truck. Yeah. So the food truck uh, that was uh, out front of the conference center launched that eight-year development odyssey of, oh, my goodness. Yes, yeah. uh, of making this game. And now what started out as like a fun little casual you're a food truck owner has become a complex sim and role-playing game and time management thing and there's just there's a lot of facets to this game um we actually got covered uh in the a little mobile games press yesterday uh, and they, they they entitled it the shockingly deep <laughs> food truck simulation <laughs> so right. that pretty much sums it up yeah all right so the game and, and you're targeting multiple platforms you said you're targeting mobile so what does that mean for you correct so initially our planned launch unless you know something catastrophic or fantastic happens we're gonna target uh initial launch on ios um specifically iphone it could be as well ipad but we'll see uh, with then with a short follow-on for Android, if that makes sense, and then potentially other platforms as maybe the numbers drive us in that direction. Or, you know, people say, hey, you really want to play this on the Atari 2600, for example. Yeah, exactly. The new Atari box. Or <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. The, the new Atari. So 
Yeah, that's that's kind of what we're we're focusing on, and it, it's a game with a live service backend okay. that, you know, it's people download it and effectively they get to live in this little world and own their food truck and interact with a little city of people that hopefully end up loving the food that they're gonna make and you become super famous in the little food world. The Sim City and Sims of food truck exactly. ownership. I love it. I'm a huge Sim City fan. Excellent. Big in Skylines. Uh, myself as a, as a somewhat gamer, I like to say I'm a, I like to buy games and then not play them. Yes. That's, my, that's my big, I like to invest in the developer. Yes, I support uh, this person yeah. and eventually maybe I'll play the game that I've bought. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, on you're using well, maybe you tell me about it. What has been eight years of development? Lots has changed in eight years. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, not only just, you know, when you're thinking cross-platform, you're building it for now maybe two, one platform, two platforms, maybe more. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a cross-platform developer using Xamarin, um, but we also have a lot of game engines out there that we have built, but there's a lot of other cross-platform ones. So what, what did this game go through in the last oh, eight years, wow. and what are you at today? So it's kind of funny. It's a... Uh interesting that you would say hey let's talk because i think i've hit every tier of microsoft stuff in the in the development cycle so initially we're like you know what would be neat putting this on windows 7 phone yeah so that was about a month or two of prototyping things which was great because it was a really quick uh way to spin up a simulation and basically run what would be like a console uh, output on a phone, you know, just to kind of do proof of concept stuff. And then we moved into XNA and then we decided, well, we want to be a little bit more flexible. So uh, a lot of my background is in game engine development. So I was like, I'm going to write it all myself. A great idea. Yeah, it's a fantastic idea if you don't want to make a game (laughs) because, you know, you have to do the tools and then you have to do every little supporting a piece of software around the development cycle. Yeah, I think some people don't realize what all goes into making a game. And when I was working on Shred Nebula, we had this the core code repository of the game, which is all C++. We wrote our own game engine. There was no XNA at the time. Uh, there was no Unity. There's no, no else. We then wrote our own level editors. We, I wrote a particle uh, editor for yeah, our designers. Exactly. We wrote importers from Excel, uh, Excel files to put into the game and the output. So did you finish that game engine? Is, is that... So yeah, I ended up finishing. It was a, a nice deferred render. It looked very cool. And I thought, well, that's super overkill for a 2D cartoony game. But, you know, habitually as an engine developer, you go down the rabbit hole. Yeah. And if you're wise enough to pause and go, wait a minute, I'm doing all this engine work. I'm not actually making the game. Yeah. Uh, so at that point, we thought we really want to put this uh, game on this iPhone thing. Uh, how do we do that? Well, I don't want to own a Mac, and there was a middleware thing called Marmalade, mm-hmm. which yeah, effectively would you know take some C and would generate a, uh, supposedly an executable for the uh, the iPhone, and it was the most painful system. So we moved away from that one fairly quickly onto a super early version of Unity, which was terrifying, and the best decision we made. Um, so we, we uh, were facilitated in doing that by the realization that a lovely man had written a way to debug and run code from Visual Studio, which, <laughs> you know, as, a, as an engine pro- uh, programmer career-wise, 
I was on Visual Studio from like six forward. Yeah, so this, same. that's that my, my home, first, right? That was my first VS was VS six. It was a great version. Yeah, and you know, it's not that you can't write code in other IDs, but it slows you down. Once you know what you could have, mm -hmm. and then you lose all of it, and you go to Eclipse, and you bang your head against the wall. Exactly. You're like, oh, I don't, why am I doing this? Yeah, yeah. And because the quicker you can navigate around code, or you know find the bugs with all the tools that you understand how to use, the quicker your brain allows you to just create those systems and not go, what was the shortcut for an iterative search in this ID? Let me look it up. Wait, what was I even trying to fix? I'm going to go to lunch. <laughs> <laughs> so were you a C-sharp developer at that time? I mean, because that's what kind of, you know, a lot of people like Unity because the right. scripting engine is all C-sharp. So I worked at... Uh, Ubisoft for a while mm. and we used an engine that had uh, it was a very I don't know there's one way to I guess nicely put it it's so if you ever see C sharp written by a C++ programmer usually it's this mangled stuff that doesn't use any of the language's features it's like I'm going to force C sharp into being non-object oriented exactly yeah. you want that performance so what it what the the engine that we would use, we would write basically these C++ headers that would generate C-sharp interfaces to create a tools layer. Got it. So that was my experience as a C-sharp programmer. And then I got out of games slightly and worked for a company that would write C-sharp um, UI components. Okay. So that was like this weird mixture of like C-sharp from a games perspective, kind of, to C-sharp from a business perspective. And then when I jumped into it, I was like, okay, well, let's do a bunch of, wait a minute, none of these features, what .NET version is this? Yeah, yeah, you soon realize that, well, and even Unity of many years ago, I mean, now they just, you know, Unity 2018, mm -hmm. Moving to .NET, the latest version of .NET, supporting .NET standard, like right. as a .NET developer, we talk about a lot of this stuff. It's kind yeah. of this, next year is going to be a great time to be a Unity developer. <laughs> exactly. But, so like, you have, what, no async await, you have generics. What, what do you have over there in the Unity world today? So you have, a, like, a, a really... So here's the nice way of putting it. There's a lot of things available that you look at them and you go, man, those are pretty. I will not be using those because they generate a lot of garbage. Mm. Or... There's, you know, they introduce frame delays, you name it. There's, there's things that, let's say if you're writing tools in the Unity side, and you're not worried about, you know, creating a bunch of garbage, yeah. you can use those. Yeah. Like, simple stuff. Uh, it's less of an issue now, but you know, most people go, oh, just for each, whatever, through a collection. Nope. I'm going to iterate through it with a standard for loop yep. because there's some garbage created and I don't want that. And, you know, when you're trying to squeeze every bit of performance out of, uh, out of Unity, you gotta, you gotta do all the tricks and discard all the niceties of C sharp. Yeah, mostly. You, you really, you really want the, that 60 frames per second. And I think it's very different coming from an app side of thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We want fast boot up time. We want smooth scrolling. Right. But also, we're just kind of scrolling lists of data compared to running an entire game engine processing all this data where yep. you're expected to update that UI 60 times in yes. a second, uh, which is which you can't use link probably to generate this huge link query. Like you said, you're going to iterate over it. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah, so, if you see link in a game, then either the game's not really pushing a lot or somebody made a bad decision. <laughs> Got it. So did you then, since you were really early on in Unity, that's so interesting, I have a lot of friends that use Unity, and I know every time there's a new version, it's a delay in the process, or like, how, how has that been 
being a Unity developer from the beginning and getting to this point? So the early days were, ooh, it was kind of like running down the road with a lit stick of dynamite that you hope to get to a place where you can just throw it before you blow up too. Mm -hmm. uh, but your objective is to actually blow something up. So <laughs> it was very unstable, but you know, it kind of goes back to what I was talking about. They provide an engine that's going to ideally run across platforms, so that simplifies your development. Mm -hmm. And they provide at least basic editor tools yeah. that you can extend easily. So it was in the early days making a deal with the devil because it's going to handle a lot of your needs, but you also might lose five hours worth of work because it randomly crashed. And we like to call that thing the silver bullet. You know, and, and I think as a, someone that comes, Frank and I, from the Xamarin side of things, right. people think it's a silver bullet. So yeah. you're releasing first on iOS, then the other platforms. You're still releasing in the app stores, but how much do you actually have to know as a Unity dev mm -hmm. about iOS, Android, and potentially Windows? Like, what, is, what does that mean? So the average person who has no platform experience can easily get something up and running on Unity on, you know, iOS without ever having another specific platform. Okay. Now, you're not going to be able to do things that, you know, maybe let's say Apple wants you to do with their platform um, because you don't know specifics. But the more you understand, and this is kind of like a core tenet of being a game programmer, or being any programmer, know the target device. Yeah. Because the more you know the target device, the more you can understand it's weird idiosyncrasies or it's limitations or it's strengths, you know, like, hey, I would like to run some specific graphics uh, capabilities in metal. Yeah. Like, oh, what's a metal? All I have ever used is Unity. Is metal what the phone is made out of? <laughs> okay, well, start to uh, research some of the platform capabilities. You know, same with um, we, uh, in a previous life, I worked at a company and I put a game on Windows Phone and it did fairly well, actually. Uh, so we had things like, oh, well, I got to write a plugin to make sure that I can update the live tiles. Yeah. Or, you know, we want to do features that integrate with some other platform service. So if someone hasn't written a plugin for Unity to do that, well, that's on you. I see. And you have to jump out of the Unity layer and have a uh, understanding of things like maybe Objective-C or how to work with the Android system or... You know, let's say in the case of, you know, maybe you want to put your game on Xbox One. Well, if somebody hasn't written some of the service plugins or you want to use some features that Unity hasn't provided for you, you are going to have to do that. It's not just a free ticket to every platform. Right. I mean, there could be based on what you're creating. Yeah, but exactly. You're, you're thinking push notifications, maybe doing some cool stuff with like Face ID. Like yes, who cloud knows saves. Cloud you saves, it. yeah. And probably each of them, are you doing to iCloud? Are you taking, you know, PlayFab? Or where are you going, right? Yeah. And, you said you're creating some backend services. How's that? How's that been integrating? Is that also C sharp backends? Is that how's that work? Well, initially we were gonna, you know, let's make it ourselves. Of course, why not? We're yeah. programmers. We can do everything uh, until we made a much better decision uh, after a bunch of bad decisions, and we landed on a service called GameSparks, um, okay. which vastly simplifies things like. Uh, you know, running compute code on a remote server and getting the results and uh, storing, uh, you know, key value pairs 
you know, craft your own data. All that stuff. Fantastic. Yeah. The stuff you don't want to do. Exactly. It, I mean, you do that for me. Yeah, and that's it. You know, that's that's kind of the idea is you have to remember that the end goal is to make the game, not to, well, you know what, I'd really like to spin up some enterprise level. No, you don't. Maybe you do. I don't. I Maybe just that's make your the game. thing. Maybe that's your <laughs> Maybe thing. Maybe that's how you get down. Not me. Just want to make the game. So... Uh, yeah, so Foodie Trucks talks to a server and it gives you things like, uh, hey, uh, there's a big football game happening in this part of town. Maybe you should drive your truck over there and you'll boost your sales by 20%. Cool. And that's, you know, we do that through uh, the push message integration. If you don't happen to be playing, if you do, we have a little uh, hilarious haha, email system called Lookout Mail. <laughs> and that's how we can alert our players to things that go on in the game. Oh, that's cool. Nice. And uh, the, that system just it simplified the whole process by using somebody else's equipment that makes sense i mean that's why i mean honestly it's like i could build the same application multiple times you could have used you could have built your own game engine yep. we always talk about using a lot of times the great libraries that are out there whether it's something like unity or something mm -hmm. like monogame or something like uh, skia sharp doing these cross-platform yes. solutions someone did the hard work you know and the nice thing is a lot of those integrations are out there already for yeah. you yeah and you know that's a, it's kind of an important development as a programmer i think there's a lot of folks that start to program and they go hmm this c standard library i'm gonna write all my own okay hmm the way memory works is kind of weird i think i'm gonna get some uh ferrite rings and hand weave my own memory yeah. no you're not just understand that there's the hard work has been done for you in a lot of places so focus on your objective if your objective is to make the game make the game you really want to make the tools? Make the tools. Make the tools. That's why I was I was a lead to I wasn't a lead. I was a tools developer mm -hmm. and gameplay developer. I wasn't an engine developer. Right. I really fell in love with desktop development. I love, fell in love with C sharp, mm -hmm. and I changed my career. I was like, I'm going to go do this because I really loved it. Yeah. And I could have done that in games, but I went and wrote printer software. So yeah, you, know, you got someone do what you do what you That's love. Right. So when is this game coming out? Where can I get it? What's the story? Where do I go to learn more? All right. So we are. Barring any unforeseen weirdness, going to be releasing at the end of June. Beautiful. Uh, we are currently going to be ramping our beta test. Should be next week because, well, it's a live game with a lot of people that can play or uh, interact with a server. We want to see how that handles it. Um, our website, www.durhamgames.com, will give you more information. Um, you can check us out on Twitter. Uh, you can just do a Google search or a Bing search Whatever or your desire a is. Duck, duck, go if that's your thing. Um, <laughs> or just look in the show notes below. Yeah, and we'll have everything for you. And, uh, you know, if you feel like you want to brave the dangers of a beta test, maybe you can get a fancy enamel pin, too. Very cool. I'm going to sign up. I'm excited about it. These enamel pins are pretty sick. So, And we don't even have that emerge conflict. So, just saying. <laughs> Awesome. Sean, thank you so much for taking some time out of your day here at GDC to come yeah, chat. Yeah, thanks for having me. Awesome. Cool. So there we go. Now I'm back with Frank, and uh, we just you know played through our interview with Sean Peoples. It was really exciting to me because uh, while we were live at GDC in a booth, which I'm sure you heard from a little bit of background noise, even though I edited my best, uh, it was really mm -hmm. fun to sit down. And I mean, I love talking to you, Frank, every week, but I really like to get some other perspective of kind of the world of development happening. <gasps> I know. 
you're not replacing me, are you? No, no, no. I see what's going on here. No, no, no. <laughs> well, we have some really cool, exciting interviews to announce in the in the forthcoming months. So be on the lookout for that. I don't want to tease too much, but some mm-hmm. really cool stuff that secrets, secrets. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. This is fun. I love talking about games because of you know my background and you obviously making like Spacey and a few other games as well. So um, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, how can you program and not do games? At some point, you have to. And I feel like even all the simulators I write, like iCircuit, are really just games. It's just a game <laughs> with circuits, you know? But it's still just yeah. a game. <laughs> exactly. It's an evergreen oh. topic. I hope we keep talking about them. <laughs> oh, I think so. And I think as the world of game development evolves, too, which I still think is somewhat in the early stages, too, of just getting started, a lot of people are just at GDC learning how to debug for the first time. And it was like, whoa, I'm like, cool. <laughs> like, this is great. I know how to debug. I can I can help you out, you know? So I thought that was really fun. So, all right. I think that's going to do it for this week. Frank, anything else that you want to pull together at all? No, no. Other than you just made me jealous. Maybe I'll try to go to GDC next year. Just yes. made me jealous, man. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, do it. Well, I do want to have a big shout out to our sponsor this week, Syncfusion. Head over to syncfusion.com slash conflict to learn about their awesome controls. And of course, a big thanks to all of our Patreon supporters. Um, we have some brand new Patreon supporters, including Jan, my good friend Jan, Brian, Jose, and Rob. We really appreciate your mm. support. And for joining us in the Discord chat, some goodies coming your way, which is really, really awesome. And you can become a patron supporting. Just go over to mergeconflict.fm. That's where you find our website that's where you can subscribe that's where you can find all those goodies and hit that support us on patreon button and that's going to do it for this week so until next time this has been another episode of merge conflict i'm james montemagno and i'm frank krueger thanks for listening peace peace